You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. As a silly joke, labeled three of Simon Pegg's films as the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. It was during an interview for Hot Fuzz when somebody pointed out to director Edgar Wright that both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz had Cornetto ice cream in them. Strawberry for Shaun of the Dead, signifying the blood and gore. Blue original Cornetto for Hot Fuzz, signifying the police element. Wright jokingly compared it to the Three Colors film trilogy, which incidentally I adored. In the final chapter of the Cornetto trilogy, The World's End, mint green chocolate chip makes an appearance to represent aliens in science fiction. All three films have been highly reviewed, Shaun of the Dead scoring 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, Hot Fuzz 91% as well, and The World's End slipping just a few points at 89%. Tonight, as my Christmas gift events, we'll be discussing all three of these films. My Christmas gift to me is that I didn't tell him we were actually doing Hot Fuzz as well, so he didn't have the time to prep for this episode. (laughs) So Merry Christmas, Vince. (laughs) Great. <laughs> I love catching you off guard like that. Much much like how this trilogy was completely unintentional. <laughs> this episode will be completely made up on the fly. Every once in a while, that's not bad. This is going to be a little bit different than what we've done with other shows as well, in that I'm not going to be giving you huge plot points of everything going on. Just basically discuss the three films. In each of these films, there's a basic premise. The lead character, always played by Simon Pegg, has some personal issues. In the case of Shaun of the Dead, he's stuck in his life. In Hot Fuzz, he's far too ambitious and unable to focus on anything but work. And finally, in The World's End, he's completely lost, mentally unstable to the point of having attempted suicide. Pegg's characters then have to battle some element that's terrorizing a town, whether it's zombies, alien robots, or... Old people with shotguns. <laughs> so Let's be honest, that's the scariest of three. <laughs> that, that shootout was better than the Matrix shootout. Then. <laughs> but we're going to start where it actually started, where the trilogy started, and that's what Shaun of the Dead. So like I said, this was directed by Edgar Wright. It was written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and starred Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who appears in all three. Uh, most notice, notably, and tying into last week's episode with The Hobbit, Martin Freeman, who makes an appearance in all three of the films as well. Now, Shaun of the Dead, basically, if you haven't seen it, I'd be quite surprised. Pretty much everyone has seen it now. It's been widely reviewed and has made quite a bit of money for itself as well. Shaun is trying to deal with problems with his girlfriend, with his parents, well, with his mother and new stepfather, as well as his roommate, who's continually giving him a hard time about his best friend, who is played by slacker Nick Frost who's living on his sofa. And he also has to, of course, deal with a little something called the zombie apocalypse. So don't use the Z word. <laughs> it's, this was, it, it, obviously, this was uh, highly influenced by the Of the Dead movies, the Romero movies, but 
it actually came about because they used to have the UK show called Spaced and Peg was in it and Wright directed and a lot of the other same people were acting in it as well. And there was an episode called Art, which was written by Peg and Jessica Stevenson, who also acted in the show and it was directed by Wright. And it's where Simon Peg, under the influence of amphetamines and having played a little bit too too much Resident Evil 2, hallucinates that he's in a zombie apocalypse. And so from there, they decided Shaun of the Dead. And that's how that came about. You have a lot of references, cult references, game references, all kinds of things in Shaun of the Dead because it's very much tongue-in-cheek. But in much the same way as the other two films, it's it's a parody, but it's a parody that takes itself seriously. It's, it's, it's poking fun at a whole bunch of different things, but it still takes itself seriously, which allows you to enjoy that much more. See, especially because Shaun of the Dead came out like right at like, maybe even right before the peak of, you know, the big zombie movie deluge that we received over the last, you know, 10 years or so. And I mean, I adore the movie. Like if I'm just flipping around channels and Shaun of the Dead's on, I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. I'll watch that movie again and again and again. That might be one of my desert island movies, if you will. Yeah. But Ever since I saw it, I just – I simply cannot watch another zombie movie again because, yeah, all three of them are parodies, but they're very brilliant parodies that you know distill the, their genres down to you know, their core and point out the absurdism but still highlight the stuff that makes them good. Well, again, it's, it, it's not just that because it's got all that going for it, but it's the fact that because, because they still – it, no, they don't take themselves seriously, but they, they take the story seriously. Mm-hmm. So you still actually care when things happen in the movie to the people that you care about. Like when when his mother gets bitten, <laughs> you actually are feeling bad for what's going on. Yes. Even though it's this crazy, funny zombie movie, you're like, but I don't want her to <laughs> It's not right. <laughs> Kill off those damn kids that he's hanging out with. So yeah, so of course the the Shaun of the Dead movie is basically he's stuck in his life. The zombie apocalypse happens, and then everything turns to crap. The, the, hold on, the best part of it is the zombie apocalypse happens, and nobody he, yeah, notices notice. for a while because honestly, that's just how small town British people act in the first place. And uh, yeah, there's there's some phenomenal scenes right at the beginning there when the outbreak is starting, um, like the scene, <laughs> the scene when they are just exiting the pub, him and Nick Frost, and you, I need that as my ringtone. But there's a lot of things like that where it's it's everyday life continuing and them not noticing and it's funny because that's something that you see in each of the films there's a lot of similarities in how the films were written as well as how they were directed they were of course all directed by edgar wright and written by him and peg so you have a lot of similarities a lot of that the fast cutting that you see or the 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 fast cuts or the swipes and all kinds of different things so you have a lot of similarities in how the filming was done and that's something that you see when they're they're showing the same scenes of like when he goes to get his morning stuff on his routine to get to work and you have those very same scenes and yet the filming 
the way that he films it is so phenomenal because of how you're seeing things differently because now you're seeing, you know, the blood handprint on the, the cooler or, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's definitely something that's lost in the conversation of these films. Like Edgar Wright is legitimately a very good filmmaker. Oh, you said that that scene where he's going to get his morning coffee and all that, that's all done in one take. I mean, Alfonso Cuaron is like the only other director I know that can do a scene like that in one take. Yeah. So there's a lot of, of really cool stuff that's happening, even before the zombies come out kind of thing. Of course, once the zombies come out, then all hell breaks loose. And he basically... Peg's character basically mans up at that point and he's got to go and save everybody he cares about and a few people that he doesn't really like. <laughs> it's it's very much, it's funny because I've talked to, talked to people over the years about the show and it's very much a show that if you are not into or even remotely into um, British comedies or British dramas or anything, um, you get so much less out of the experience. Because of that very dry sense of humor. I see here we get that a lot with the Canadian television is very similar in some ways to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Although as of late, it's been getting a lot more influenced by American TV and whatnot. But but we do have a lot of that same biting sense of humor that's very subtle and very, very it's it, it it blends well with that same kind of BBC mentality. Yeah. Again, this is one of those shows where. Like you said, you can watch it over and over again and get so much more out of it each time. And see, I think about Hot Fuzz a lot because of that. Because I'm going to be honest, and I'd seen Hot Fuzz after Shaun of the Dead. And I'm in the same boat as you about Shaun of the Dead. And when I saw Hot Fuzz the first time, I was actually disappointed. And Mm -hmm. I don't know... I'm the same way. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. If it was that I was expecting... I knew obviously I knew that it wasn't going to be a a horror spoof kind of show or whatever. I knew that it was supposed to be it was spoofing the buddy cop shows, but I was still I don't know it was just something lacking. And it wasn't until I watched it again, and I actually just watched it again today, actually, and uh, that I'm getting so much more from it every time that I watch it now and appreciating. All of these little nuances that are in there that are brilliant in some ways, even better than Shaun of the Dead, actually. Yeah, absolutely. The The comedy is – it's so much different because you know, Shaun of the Dead, a lot of the comedy is in spoofing the zombie films, which you know you expected going into that. Whereas most of the funniest parts of Hot Fuzz are when it's spoofing real life. So the the parts that you were expecting to be funny with all the police business weren't funny and you know like a, a you know a laugh out loud you know written joke they you know they were like I said it was all the absurdist and you know genre convention stuff that made that humorous but the actual intentionally comedic moments are making fun of again that small town life which we see all through all three of them but it's it, it's a big reversal in exactly what they're pointing fun at yeah. Yeah. So this one here, you have Simon Pegg, of course, playing the lead again, who is the star cop in London. <laughs> like Again, the stuff at the beginning, even like <laughs> you have all of this craziness going on. And again, tying into last week's Hobbit movie. <laughs> do you know who makes a guest appearance? You know, it was <laughs> I can only imagine it's Ian McKellen. No, it's actually um, Peter Jackson. 
he's the Santa that stabs him in the head. And then once again, you have Martin Freeman in here and who is freaking phenomenal. Even better than him, though, is uh, is, uh, William Nye who plays the stepfather in Shaun of the Dead, who's mm-hmm. the chief inspector in this one, and who just point blank says, you're, all, you're making us all look bad, so you got to go. <laughs> it's that simple. Sends him off to this Sanford, this sleepy little town, and from there murders start occurring, and he starts cluing in together and eventually uncovers a militant, and I, I love that it's the NWA. <laughs> neighborhood watch alliance not what you were thinking and they're killing anyone who's bringing dishonor to this sleepy town what's great about this is that you have you have a lot of again the the nods to the bad (laughs) like bad buddy cop shows to the point of actually referencing it, the, the Keanu Reeves shooting into the air thing and whatnot (laughs) but you also have this like it's still from, as a viewer, it's fun to try to piece it together along with them. In the end, it turns out to be a complete and utter farce. <laughs> if you could figure out what was going on in this film without, without having to watch it first, there's probably something wrong with you. <laughs> but it's a ton of fun. and then, But then again, you, you see the complete and utter stupidity as you find out what, in fact, is, is happening here. There... As with Shaun of the Dead too, they wanted to have it fairly graphic in terms of some of the violence that's going on. When that freaking church spire thing falls on that guy's head, it was like, oh my god! <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was phenomenal. But again, it's it's even more so than Shaun of the Dead. There's a lot of just little things happening. Just literally either in the back of the scene or whatever, just a look or whatever. When he's booking the kid and he's still got the cone on his head. <laughs> Processing. <laughs> he goes and takes it off. When he's laying in bed after going to the meeting and he's got the flower sergeant <laughs> behind him. <laughs> they send him home with the, the flower thing. Um, the, uh, when, they're, when he's talking to Nick Frost about the different people on the street and there's that, the giant guy. Who still lives with his mom and sister? What are their names? It's the same person. <laughs> and then, of course, the same jumping over the fences as you have in all of the movies now. So, yeah, there's a lot of little, again, favorite points from this creepy ass town. And again, the the acting level when you're looking like Timothy Dalton was freaking phenomenal. He must have had a blast playing that role this is the movie that confirms my unironic love for timothy Dalton. <laughs> a lot of people can't stand him but i i've loved so many roles and i i think he's even underrated as james bond so yeah he was phenomenal i love too that the every once in a while too it's not like holy crap it's by the power of grace call <laughs> <laughs> and they have a game at the fair it's called splat the rat <laughs> So, and the swan, the swan, when he grabs the swan, slows down, grabs it, puts it in the car. So, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the, of the three, it's not my favorite of the three, but to watch again and see so much more from it, yeah, I, it's it, it just, it never stops impressing me. Yeah, it's definitely one of those underrated movies that a few years from now, people are finally going to come around and realize kind of how brilliant it actually was. Yeah, they actually had to get permissions for every single 
reference to those buddy cop movies, to all of the covers that you see because they're looking at DVDs, all of the mm-hmm. scenes, everything for that. And actually, if you look, when Nick Frost is looking at the DVD cover, the Jackie Chan one, and uh, Simon Pegg runs by and he's chasing the... It's Super Cop, right? No, no. Oh, I don't know that one. But oh, when he okay. tosses it back in the bin, in the bin is the cover for Shaun of the Dead. But it's called <laughs> Zombie Party. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same cover and over where Simon Pegg's face is is the the sticker price so yeah just a little nod there so yeah and then of course that one's got Kate Blanchett too like by this point people had gotten to see Shaun of the Dead so they wanted to be in the next one so Kate Blanchett is in freaking hot fuzz but unless you can recognize her from her eyes you might not know because she's in like a hazmat kind of suit at a crime scene. But in typical Kate Blanchett fashion, she's fantastic. The last one is The World's End. That one actually just recently came out on uh, on video and we actually watched it a few weeks ago. I'm going to have to watch it again. And I'm thinking it's going to be much like Hot Fuzz World where I'll appreciate it more later on. This one was reviewed a little bit lower and I actually didn't like it as much as the other ones either. It's There's tons of similarities, obviously, with Shaun of the Dead more so than with Hot Fuzz. But I don't know. It just did not have the same feel for me that that the other two had. It had, you know, it had a lot of, you know, the charm and all that. But as far as, you know, like the, the biting genre, you know, parody and stuff, it, it wasn't as as solid as it was in the other two, they kind of just went in their own direction with things. And like it, I mean, I'm not saying it was bad by any means. I absolutely loved it, but I, I'm with you is that it, it's definitely third in the listing uh, as compared to the other two. But I don't know, it seemed like this was just the movie that, you know, they, they had this accidental, you know, film trilogy that they stumbled across <laughs> and they went, okay, we're going to do one more. We're going to, bring you know all of our favorite cast members back we're just going to have this huge big fun ridiculous movie and I said, it was a lot of fun it was very funny and it is it it wasn't I said, it wasn't as down to earth as <laughs> down to earth as yeah, the really. zombie movie and the <laughs> ridiculous you know neighborhood watch association villains but uh it, it it was still very enjoyable, though. It was. It was. And I think that you hit it on the nail, uh, the nail right there, too, when you were saying it, it, it wasn't enough of a parody kind of thing. It just it felt more just like a movie. It wasn't that they were making fun of sci-fi movies. At, at points, yes, it was over the top when you're, you're seeing the, the fights against the, the robots in the bathroom and things like that. And there's the blue blood flying up all over the place. So it, it had those elements, but overall it didn't have enough of the, the parody throughout. It was again, more just like a typical comedy. I think they might've also realized that uh, after Simon Pegg and Nick Frost had already done Paul, that's, you're not going to get much better of a parody. So you might as well go in a different direction. Cause yeah. I, I think if they try to go with a, a more pure parody, it it would have felt a little too much like Paul, honestly. Right. Okay. Anyways, so this one because here. As, I'm sorry. Because as a, an absolute lover of cheesy old sci-fi movies, Paul was brilliant. Right. I actually still haven't seen that. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I, but yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet. I'm going to have to watch yeah, that. The, the more you love those awful old sci-fi movies, the more you'll love Paul. So, 
Um, so this one here is Simon Pegg plays Gary King, and basically his life never amounted to much. And as a middle-aged man, he decides that what he needs to finish is an event that he started in, at what he considers to be the pinnacle of his life when they were doing the pub crawl in his new hometown of Newtown Haven. He decides to get all of his buddies back together because they never finished it. And this is years later. They're all adults. They've all moved on except for him and convinces them all to come back to, to uh, Newtown Haven so that they can do this, this pub crawl again. And you see immediately that he's got nothing in his life and he hasn't grown up really. And he's got some fairly serious <laughs> problems, which they, they <laughs> obviously make light of up until kind of the end there. But, but the, the, the scenes that you, that are really funny here, it, it kind of starts to build slowly as the guys are back together and, and I mean, Nick Frost plays a recovering alcoholic, so he's not, doesn't even want to drink. So there's a lot of, moments where there's really not a ton of humor there but once the first alien robots kind of thing the robots come out and they figure out what's going on and then king has the brilliant idea that they need to keep going with their pub crawl so that they don't arouse suspicion (laughs) and they just go with it and that's when they start getting progressively more drunken and that's when the humor really starts because there's nothing funnier than drunk people trying to beat up robots (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not robots <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot to like in the in the setup of this movie though i mean first of all the fact that essentially the role the, the roles of simon Pegg and nick frost from the first two to this one have been flipped where where it's now nick frost that's playing the straight man and it's simon Pegg that's playing you know the screw up if you will but i knew going in that this was you know a big sci-fi alien sort of thing and yet the first time i watched it I completely forgot about it. I was so into the story of these five guys that when the brawl started up in the bathroom, I thought it was some weird hallucination. I forgot that that's what the movie was actually supposed to be about. Yeah. And they are robots. They're alien robots. They, they say they're not robots. Well, they robots say are slaves. They are not slaves. You can look right on wiki for Christ's sakes. They're robots. <laughs> that's I'm, what it is. <laughs> God, first you're calling them zombies. Now you're just like robots. You're just a very insensitive person. Oh, I don't expect you that from someone like you. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it's the the humor is is in my opinion, it it takes a while for it to build up, kind of thing. And then once it does, yeah, it is fun to watch, and especially when you have the, the insanely choreographed fight scenes. And some points, you're thinking like a lot of work went into that fight scene. <laughs> but the scene where the one twin takes the legs off the other one and puts them on yes. her shoulders. I lost it. I had yeah. to pause the movie. I was dying. It was so ludicrous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of those in that. It, like, I, that's one of the things that I noticed right away. Was like the they really choreographed those fight scenes because holy crap and hell, there's a lot going on there. So, and then again, like I said, it gets progressively funnier. They do eventually get to the last pub. You got a lot more drama going on between the characters because of again the the alcoholism the drug addiction you find out that king had tried to kill himself as well he's got the bandages on his arm and had just come out of a hospital so there's some fairly serious stuff that they try to mix in there and that's the other thing too is that it's it's tough to mix in really serious stuff when you're doing 
what is still at heart a parody of, you know, a alien movie, even if it's not that heavy on parody, that's still what it is. So again, it's, it slowed down the movie for me quite a bit. Yeah. And not, I'm not saying it was terrible or bad or I'm not even going to try to suggest what would have been better, but I did find that it kind of grounded to a halt at a point where it's supposed to be going full tilt because this is when they sink down into the bottom of the bar and see the quote unquote network. Who's the one that's running all of this going on across all of the, the planet at different spots. So you're supposed to have that again, that, really really pivotal moments and i found that you know there's a little bit too much serious going on here for a freaking they, they just crash that guy's head over the toilet this is not that serious a movie guys <laughs> see it's interesting i think if they had taken out all of the alien stuff and just kind of done this you know silly slash drama kind of you know journey of self-discovery movie i honestly think that would have been a better movie <laughs> Because a lot of the stuff with King and with Andy and, you know, their relationship and the, you know, how the characters have changed, I, I was kind of into that. <laughs> I, that's actually not a bad point. It's not. It would have been a completely different movie, but yeah, it might have been good. But, uh, but anyway, so, so, so that's basically it in a nutshell. You, the, the ending is actually, the, the payoff at the end is fairly good. Because the network decides, fine, we don't need you guys anymore. And there's a worldwide EMP, electromagnetic pulse that goes off and wipes out technology and sets humanity back. And so you have the ending is frost over a fire telling a story to the kids of, of how it used to be and what happened kind of thing. And you have, I love Martin Freeman with part of his head missing the, <laughs> as the robot one and going out and selling houses and because the robots are now reintegrating themselves into society. And, uh, and then you have Gary with his younger versions of his friends, the, the robot aliens and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I, I want to, I want to see that movie. I want, exactly. I want to see the spin off with yeah. Gary going across the post-apocalyptic wasteland. With these, I'm in for yeah, that one. Yeah. That's, that's actually, it would be a phenomenal sequel, especially if they really did it as a tongue in cheek post-apocalyptic yeah, throw, throw an ice cream cone in there, call it a Mad Max parody, and you've got yourself a movie. There you go. So that is the three of them. And uh, like I said, they, they're all very much well worth watching. As of now, my least favorite is The World's End, but I will be watching it again. I did still enjoy it. And it's saying a lot when you're saying my least favorite of three phenomenal movies. Keep that in mind, folks. So I will be watching it again to see and to get more out of it. But whenever Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz is on, much like you, it's time to make some popcorn. I know where I'll be. See, looking at the three movies as a whole, though, the thing that I really enjoy most about them is you can tell, you know, these guys, you know, they grew up in similar circumstances and whatnot. And a lot of this is rooted in that, you know, British upbringing that a lot of us can't quite relate to. But it, I love how in their own ways they all take a look at kind of the inherent mundane aspects of everyday life that even outside of England you can relate to. There are many aspects of Sean's life that definitely ring true with me oh, yeah. and how at some point you know, everybody wishes that you know, something more interesting or more exciting can happen in their life. 
and how all three of these films show that that might not necessarily be a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes you kind of just have to be happy with what you've got. And, you know, more exciting doesn't necessarily equal better. And I, that's the one thing, the thread that I saw running through all three of these films that I, I actually did really kind of resonate with. See, what I saw more so than that, though, was that it took these events to make Peg's character a better person in each one of them. True. So that's what I take out of it, that sometimes you need that adversity in your it, life it, it to bring be out the better. At ways. Yeah, exactly. So any parting thoughts? I think that was my parting thought. Well, I just want to give you one more chance before I cut out. <laughs> you, you caught me by surprise. I'm completely. <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about it. In fact, you said you wanted to talk about it over and over again. And so I had come up with all go. these interesting ways I could have injected it into our conversation, and you completely Please, ruined my entire plan. I, I, you know, because I was expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a preemptive strike. I figured it? it's going to be talked about anyways. Screw it. Here you go. <laughs> Let me wrap a bow on that for you. And with that, we are going to wrap out for this episode. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. We will be back fresh on, what is that, January 6th? Whatever. First week of January. We're January be, something. Yeah, first week of January. We're going to be talking about Elysium and some District 9. So that should be a blast as well. Very much looking forward to that. You can find the show notes at Popcorn Ronin. Let us know what you thought about these movies, which one's your favorite, and we'll talk to you guys soon. movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Mm-hmm.